Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, this is Chris Cerrone, host of The Cerrone Show. And when you're looking for conversations about work, life, really anything in between, you better be listening to Job Blogs. You heard the man. <laughs> Welcome to Job Logs, a podcast that features candid conversations with young professionals about work, life, and everything in between. Hi, I'm Joy Marie. And I'm Courtney. And you're listening to another episode of Job Logs. Welcome Ooh. back. <laughs> Many thanks to Chris Cerrone and Lacey Ursioli um, for that intro. They're from Your First 10K Downloads podcast. Really awesome podcast with actionable tips and insights for people interested in starting a podcast so thanks nice. for that well first of all i want to thank you all so much for the episode for love yeah so many great comments yeah so it was yeah. courtney's first episode co-hosting mm-hmm. she did an amazing amazing job and added so much positive energy to the oh, show thank you i um, mean you guys have been showering us in love we also spoke to morgan devon of blavity so if you haven't heard that episode go back and check it out we are going to be moving into publishing an episode every Monday for you guys. Yes. So we're very excited about that. Want to keep the momentum going to keep up with all of the latest updates, um, get exclusive opportunities to contribute to the show, subscribe to our mailing list, visit jobblogs.com slash join, sign up, and we'll shoot you a note there every week. Join us. Yes. <laughs> so what's coming up today? We're going to be interviewing Jenna Hanchard, who is an award-winning journalist and Seattle-based news anchor. So very excited about that. It's a great interview. Yes. Um, and we're also going to hear from a couple of young professionals from around the world. So Yeah, we're talking media news today. Yes. Yeah, so stay tuned. Um, but let's clock in. So we heard from you guys that you really liked our, our catch-up um, segment. You liked us sort of checking in with each other. So we're okay. going to be formalizing that a little bit. <laughs> oh um, I want to hear, Courtney, what's been going on with you over the last couple of weeks? A lot. I'm weary. I'm You're tired. Weary. <laughs> <laughs> but I press a lot. Yeah, so it's been great. I feel a month at my job yeah. has flown by. Yep. Really good. I had like, my first big event yesterday, which is why I'm a little draggy today. But it was a success. My hashtag was popping. <laughs> what was the event? It was an open house mm-hmm. for my organization. So um, being the new digital marketer, I'm the first to have this role in the organization. So mm-hmm. kind of introducing hashtags and just more digital promotion. So it was a big deal for me to like make sure it played out well. Yeah. And, and it, it was did. it was so funny because like when it first started, it was an all-day event. So like at 9.30, I'm like, why is anyone using my hashtag? <laughs> But they came through for they me. They came through. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats on your first big event. And you started, you were about to start school last time we chatted. Yeah. So you have started. How's I that started going? School. So far, so good. It's right up. It's my, it's my geekdom. Like, mm. I love it. Yeah. 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 You're in your, your space. Yeah. That is great. You also wrote a really awesome article for the blog 
the 90-day rule, three must-dos for slaying your new job, which yeah. I thought yeah. was really well-received. Yeah, and it's great for even if you aren't just starting your job. If you just kind of want to check in and make sure that um, you're getting the most out of your position and putting your best self forward, I recommend yeah. that you check it out. Yeah. I had a great resource to help guide me through this insanity of the first 90 days. Awesome. Head over to jawbugs.com to read that. I published an interview with Ama Abwaji, who's a young professional, yes, for our Adventures Abroad series. She's based in Ghana. And we had a really, really awesome conversation a couple of months ago, actually, about her experiences going to grad school in London, um, figuring out her pathway in terms of educational policy and reform and how that all culminated into her current role in Ghana. So if you guys are interested in working abroad, head over to the site and check that out too. All right. So I think on that note, let's get right into the episode. Dive in. Dive in. All right. And we are back for rants, raves, and reviews. As you guys know, this is a new segment where each of us is either going to rant, rave, or review a product, service, tool, or experience that's making our lives better, worse, helping, not helping as young professionals. So, So what are you, are you ranting, raving, and reviewing? I think I'm a rant. Okay. (laughs) Well, then I'm going to rave. It's been a good week. It's been a good week. So, I'm going to rave. Today I'm raving, um, as you guys know, or maybe some of you probably don't, I do volunteer as a mentor coach in a program here in New York City. It's called America Needs You. And they pair us with incredibly ambitious first-generation college students for about two years. So we're, you know, we volunteer as mentor coaches and then the students are fellows. So a few weeks ago, one of the students who's a graduate of that same program reached out to me and asked for an informational interview to learn more about careers at my company. Mm-hmm. So she's current. She's a graduate of the program, but she's currently still in college. Um, she's a college senior. So we set up time, connected, chatted on the phone. And I have to say, I was so impressed with the quality of the questions that she asked mm-hmm. as a college senior. It was just so on point, And it was really a great blueprint for anyone that's reaching out and asking for an informational interview. So I'll give you a couple examples. She started firstly by introducing herself, telling me about some of the internships that she'd done, what she learned at each internship at each company, and then tying it all back into what she was looking to do in her career moving forward. She um, also asked me about my day-to-day responsibilities at the company, what I do on a daily basis. She asked about long-term priorities, short-term priorities. She asked about the company culture, which is like, I didn't start asking about that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that is an awesome question. That is such a great question to ask. And so important because that's how you really get to the nitty gritty of is this, you know, a place that you're going to want to work. Right. Um, And she ended by asking me who else I could connect her with, which was like, hello. (laughs) That is a fantastic question to ask and a question that everyone should be asking Um, Anytime you get an opportunity to speak with someone, because, you know, I might have expertise in one area, but I can connect you with someone else in the company Mm -hmm. who has actually been through the college graduate sort of like analyst program that can really relate better to your experience. So very impressed with her. you know, so that's my rave for the week. And I'll hold up, you know, what I need to ask. What? Did she express gratitude? She did. (laughs) She did express gratitude. She sent me an email 
followed up and said thank you and she tied it back to our conversation so she really should be my hired but yeah she is my rave and her process of approaching me for an informational interview is my rave as well yes so what are you doing you're ranting this week i'm ranting what's going on i'm ranting about um i feel like Okay, let's start from the beginning of the story. <laughs> when I was prepping for open house, mm-hmm. like one of the things, um, I was building an event app. And um, we could get into the nitty-gritty details, <laughs> but for high-level reasons. Let's yes. just say because of some ambiguous wording on the site, mm. um, the, to use it the way I wanted to, I would have had to pay like $2,000 that I wasn't expecting to have to pay because just the language on the site wasn't clear. So this is an app you were developing for the open house. Right. Like it was downright misleading. Mm. So at first when I came to them with this issue, like they were very like rigid about it. They were like, you have to upgrade the plan. Mm. You have to do this. I had to turn up slightly. Kept the professional. <laughs> turn up just a bit. <laughs> and they um, they acquiesced. They said, okay, listen, we know we put you in a bind. Um, we'll, we won't go full to the next level, but we'll give you what you need to, like, operate mm-hmm. to accomplish what you want. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Like, a heart attack avoided. Mm. And I appreciate it so much because... Yes, they were borderline false advertising with the language, <laughs> but they still didn't have to help me, even though yes. like there was a misunderstanding. They yes. did not have to accommodate me. Yes. So like, if someone has the budget to do that, I will totally recommend their service. Right. Why is this a rant? Right. Though? I'm like waiting for it. <laughs> I'm contrasting that with <laughs> there's, there's a coffee shop by my house. <laughs> I've told Joy this story. <laughs> But there's this coffee shop near me. I used to work from home all the mm-hmm. time. So I'm walking around this coffee shop, and I was getting ready to work there. So I, I get my cute little iced coffee, <laughs> and I go, I hand her my cute debit card, and she says, oh, cash only. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I mean, I didn't know. Like, I'm a first-time customer. Yes. Like, could you accommodate me? Like, I don't know where the nearest bank is. Yes. Um, could you? No. Did they have a card machine? No, there was oh, no really? ATM there. Okay, and I feel like this is illegal. Yeah, also at the same time, <laughs> I feel like you have to take the debit card if you have the machine. Whatever. So she's just like, no, and I'm like, even though I'm first employee, no, I will never go there again. <laughs> I would if I'm yeah. walking with you and you're thirsty, and yeah. this is the only place we're not going there. <laughs> so my point is, just like as a business, yes, like be flexible like Mm -hmm. i know you have policies in place to protect your company's interests Mm -hmm. however you are in service yes to your customer like bottom line you're in service yeah so think long term like think like is this is the payoff in the short run that like you keep uphold this policy is that as important as losing a customer yeah that's a good point all right well ranting rant (laughs) Today, we are so excited to have Jenna Hanchard in the studio with us. Well, 
on Skype in the studio yeah, with us. We're in spirit. <laughs> Jenna is an Emmy Award winning reporter and news anchor for King 5 News in Seattle, Washington. She's previously reported for NBC affiliates in Kansas City, Missouri, as well as Binghamton, New York, where she's had groundbreaking coverage of stories like the Michael Brown police shooting in Ferguson, Missouri, and the ensuing unrest that occurred there. So she's a graduate of Syracuse University, which is where I first met her. And She's verified on Twitter, yeah, so she's kind check. of a big deal. Nice. <laughs> is that a big deal? The that blue check? is a huge deal, Jenna. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Welcome. We're so happy Thank to have you. you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Jenna, mm-hmm. you know, we're excited to have you here because I think for, for young professionals interested in careers in journalism, mm-hmm. reporting, media, I think this will be a really interesting dialogue. But also anyone that consumes news, media, content in general, I'm excited to talk with you about you know some of the ways you present that information and yeah. also consume it on your own. Definitely. Yeah. And one of the interesting things I wanted to get you to talk about, because Joy was telling me as a reporter, is really like a hustle because you work in like a smaller market and you build yourself up, mm-hmm. which I didn't know. So could you talk to us a little bit of like how, what your career path in journalism has looked like and how you've moved up? Yeah, I started uh, with an internship through the Emma Bowen Foundation, and it's an internship for uh, minority students who are interested in careers in television media. And when I was 16 years old, I started working at NBC in Chicago. And it's an NBC-owned and operated station. And what a lot of people don't know is that um, NBC, CBS, ABC, the major news affiliates, they only own and operate about 10 to 12 different stations within the country. All of the other stations are owned and operated by other companies. Wow. So they're just usually just affiliates. So, um, So I was working there at the NBC station, and they started me, the goal of the internship was kind of to get your feet wet, really understand what you want to do. Um, and so they started me in human resources. Uh-huh. And so I started there, I think I was like, I don't know, like getting people coffee or something like that. And so somebody asked me, they said, oh, can you update all the bios for the reporters at the station? So I would contact all the reporters and I would ask them, okay, well, what stories have you done? So I could update your bios. I was updating the bio. And I thought it was super cool to kind of see all the different stories they've done. And I thought it was really interesting to see kind of their career path. Yeah. Yeah. And so then they said, okay, we need you to take a tape down to the newsroom. So I was like, I was so excited because human resources, sales, all those things, they're all on separate floors. The newsroom is its own beast. Um, and it's on the bottom floor, usually of, of, of any news station. And so they asked me to take a tape downstairs. I went downstairs and it was like, I automatically fell in love. It's like, you know, that Instagram that you see where it's like fall for someone that you feel the same way as when your food comes out of a, of a restaurant. You yes. Know what I mean? That's exactly how I felt when I went downstairs. I was like, my dish was coming out of the kitchen. I this it was like all mine. I'd ordered the right thing and I was ready to tackle it and eat it. Wow. And At so, the age of 16 though. Yeah. And so I went, it's kind of like a bug. It just kind of infects you in mm. a way. Um, and I went and talked to my internship coordinator 
And the so every you're supposed to do it from when you're 16 until you graduate from college. And the goal is that you're placed back into NBC, ABC, whatever it is. Um, and so I asked the internship coordinator to change my internship so that I didn't have to go through like HR promotions and all that other stuff. I was like, can you just put me in the newsroom just from here on out? Because I don't really need to go through any of that other stuff. I already know what I want to do. <laughs> so she changed it for me, thank God. And I went down, and that next summer, I was there in the newsroom. Um, and so I was there, and then I went to Syracuse, and um, I studied French history and broadcast journalism. Were you and at Newhouse? I was at Newhouse. Yeah, okay. I actually started off at Rutgers, and because I was just doing uh, French and history, and mm-hmm. then I transferred to Newhouse because I wanted to get some of the technical skills that are needed to uh, be successful in this industry. And mm. so, um, after Newhouse, I went to Binghamton and I started there as an anchor reporter. I was anchoring the five and then reporting night side. And then I went to Kansas City. Yeah. And yeah. I was reporting there for about three years. And then I just recently um, accepted kind of like a, a dream job, if you will, at King. Yes, um, congratulations. In Seattle. So, yeah. And so now I'm, I'm here now. So that's kind of been my um, journey. Path. Yes. Yeah to getting to where I am now. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I've been so proud of you watching your growth. Um, uh, I'd love to touch, though, on kind of that movement into the different markets, because as you, I think, have previously explained to me, it's kind of, you kind of work your way up um, different markets in journalism, at least on air, like reporting and, and as a news anchor. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And I think you went into college so focused with an idea of what you wanted to do what would your you know as you're thinking about your path and maybe for younger professionals that aren't as focused or want to explore a couple different things what are some factors to think about as you're moving through those markets and thinking about those different options well i think the most important thing really is to develop a skill set um and i think that when i look at my journey i think about a real skill set that i was able to develop which is being able to uh work under very tight deadlines yeah communicate with a wide variety of people uh extensive research skills uh and great writing skills and um i think and and storytelling skills because that's you know that's essentially kind of the focus of it everything that we sort of do in our lives revolves around great stories that's why we you know listen to songs that's why we go to the movies that's why we read books um that's why we kind of do everything we do is because we really like to hear a good story um and so that's essentially what i do every day as i as i tell stories yeah Mm -hmm. and so when I, i you know when i first went to college I wanted to major in creative writing and I thought I was going to be like the next Gwendolyn Brooks. Like I wanted to be a poet. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. And, um, my parents said to me, no, we're not paying (laughs) to be a poet. poet. Um, if you want to take a poetry class, 
or you know if you want to have extracurricular activity and be a poet right. be a poet you know all, that's 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 great for you and <laughs> um but we're not paying for you to do that right um and and you know even today you know you, you hear all this talk about you know tell your kids that you could be anything they want to be you know and all that kind of stuff um and even today i never saw it as a limiting suggestion you know i i saw it as a way that my parents really got me to focus on what it is that i wanted to get better at yes exactly i think my parents were saying to me focus on writing focus on research you like to write so focus on that and you could take that skill set and be a poet and you could take that skill set and be a journalist and you could take that skill set and be a historian or whatever you want to do um and so i think that was kind of the focus of what i did throughout college and then also until now um and moving up in markets essentially is really just moving up in your level of exposure right Mm. so the stories don't really change that much Mm. what's going on in Binghamton New York is I mean there there are the same amount of interesting things going on in Binghamton New York as there are in Seattle Washington yeah so it's really just the amount of exposure yeah so essentially what can happen when you know we talk about a market jump is that you know in Binghamton I can make a mistake on TV and Two people may be watching me, right? right? Whereas in Seattle, if I make a mistake, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you have a million plus viewers that are watching you, and that can those can those can be sort of larger implications. So my market jump really is just kind of more people, more eyes on me, mm. and the pressure to be um, a little bit more perfect, if you will. Yeah. Um, but as far as my thought process moving from market to market it's really been the same in the sense that i need to focus on being a great writer and a great journalist and how do i really get stories that come from the community and that are affecting real people yeah, yeah. And, and i think you go ahead well um, since we're on that topic one thing i wanted you to touch on is how is just the changing landscape you talk about more exposure but then the industry as a whole is changing so much Mm -hmm. with digital i think news is probably one of the most impacted industries by digital and i just wanted to kind of hear your feedback you talked a little bit about like storytelling being at the heart of it but what is the place um for um television news now with there's so many options that people are getting their news from why is this arena still important like what role does it play now well, it's tough, and it's and, and honestly, it's really tough to communicate that to a younger generation that doesn't really have any sort of loyalty to where they get their information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people, when they wake up in the morning, they don't really care where they found out what happened for the day. Yeah. They just want to find out that it happened. Yeah. Whether they find that out from their friend on Facebook or they find that out from a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist on New York Times, they don't really care. So it's really hard to say, you know, I have this skill set, I have this experience, I have these awards. You should really listen to the words that come out of my mouth as opposed to your friend from freshman year that said something on Facebook and you take that as fact. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's become increasingly more difficult to get people to be loyal to a brand that is associated with 
in with with information with giving out information and it's become increasingly more difficult for people to understand the value of journalism mm-hmm. um and you know that's from you know the the internet I, I think no one knew what the internet was going to be you know 10 15 years ago um and i think also journalists have made you know some journalists have made some grave mistakes with um with their reporting their ethics their integrity that have yeah. made us- question you know whether or not we can trust what's coming out of their mouth so so it's kind of a combination of um so of a couple of different things uh and i think people will be still want to consume news but it's just a matter of when they want to consume it and how they want to consume it um you know you're right now you're you're on the phone you know on skype with me yeah you know, and you're not going to cut me off and say well, the 10 o'clock news is starting or 11 o'clock news yeah. is starting. <laughs> I got to go. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> so, you know, no one is sitting there, you know, with an appointment. Yeah. Um, and so that's made it difficult for yeah. local news, which has been appointment television. Yeah. But so, you know what? I love what you do, um, Jenna, and, and some other reporters that I, I enjoy as well, is that you're playing in the digital space. So you have this Twitter, this verified Twitter account. <laughs> you have a Facebook page or on Instagram. And you're letting, you're peeling back the curtain a little bit and letting mm-hmm. us see some of that behind the scenes, which I think is so important for any brand these days. It's not enough to just put out your end product people want to see the process and they want to see the behind the scenes as well so how do you hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ooh, basically, how do you come up with a strategy of how much you're going to share, how little you're going to share? And, you know, what's what's the link between that personal and the professional brand? How do they tie into each other? Yeah, you know, I have absolutely no strategy. Um, and I'm still really trying to figure it out as I go, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, I think it's really difficult, especially when we talk about journalism. Um, you know, the press is the only profession that is protected by the, you know, the U.S. Constitution, the freedom of the press. It's it's the only one. Mm. Um, so it's a very vital part of the U.S. Constitution. It's a very vital part of the fabric of the United States, right? Yeah. Um, um, and, and yet it's it, the way in which it's unfolding is, is kind of concerning. So, you know, if you think about this idea that the press is the fourth estate, right? It is. So you have your judicial branch, you have yeah. your executive branch. Um, and, and so you think about it as the fourth estate. You think about it as this idea that is supposed to be able to check the other three branches and is supposed to be able to inform the public so that they're able to um, make a a better make make better decisions about their voting process or make better decisions about the things around them right yeah. so that that's supposed to be my job my job really doesn't entitle it doesn't entail you know you knowing what i ate for lunch or 
you know, my picture with Kevin Hart this weekend when yeah. I went to the comedy show, right? Yeah. For some reason, um, the public really responds to that. They like to know that, you know, you have this life outside of your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, you're a real person. But as far as you being more informed about um, who you vote for in November, um, that's kind of tricky because, you know, let's say I'll post something on social media, on Twitter, or on Facebook or Instagram on my work account that has to do with work, that has to do about something that, you know, maybe I think the public should know. Uh, people are less engaged, but they're very engaged when, you know, I post, you know, what I had for dinner or, you know, what I did over the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think it's, I think for journalists, it's a very difficult balance of trying to figure out how to do your job, but then also give people what they crave in these different digital spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's, I think that's different. You, you know, you've moved from market to market. You've been in Binghamton, Kansas City, and now Seattle, um, reporting on local stories and some national stories as well. Tell us a little bit about the role of what's happening in the global landscape um, in terms of the impact to your job and, and the way you report and cover stories. And also the other way around, right? So you covered the Ferguson um, really from beginning to end, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, everything from when the police shooting happened with Michael Brown to the verdict, to even the anniversary, some of the writing that was going on. And that story played out in a very international way. Um, So your coverage sort of transcended what you had initially reported that begun as a local story. But what is the role of what's happening in the global space to what you do locally um, and vice versa? Well, I think with the Ferguson story, I think that was unique in the sense that I think that... um, I guess when you look at race and U.S. race relations to store on a, in a global space, um, many countries have been, you know, waiting to call the United States a hypocrite in a way. Um, and when they talk about, you know, post-racial identity or this post-racial society, yeah. and Ferguson kind of gave a lot of other countries the opportunity to say, ha! You are not as diverse (laughs) and as, you know, unified as you think you are. And, yeah, you may have a black president, but, you know, when you looked at some of the coverage from, you know, Germany and Russia and stuff like that on Ferguson, I mean, a lot of it just said, you know, this looks just like 1963. You know, Ferguson looks like America did, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it was very critical and very political in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an opportunity for other countries to really kind of provide a social critique of the United States that honestly, U.S. and Western media have been providing of. Um, you know, other countries for for years. Right? I have been saying this for ages. I was in Cairo in April, and mm-hmm. you know, my tour guide was like, "Please encourage people to come down to Cairo." With you know everything that's been going on there in terms of some of the tension and the political activity the last couple of years. He yeah. was like, "You know, people are so afraid to come to this part of the world." He was like, "Honestly, I'm afraid to go to America with what I see in the media," and it was so yeah. funny and so ironic. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, no, it was it. I think that that really provided um, that was probably one of the largest international um, stories that we've seen in the last 
you know, five, five to seven years, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that was definitely a unique one. As far as my role in telling the story for international audience, that necessarily didn't really change. I, mean, I did some reporting for um, a Chinese broadcasting uh, and a Canadian broadcasting, and it was just more so providing additional historical context mm-hmm. um, okay. um, about, you know, U.S. African-American um, and white relations. But, you know, other than that, you know, the reporting side doesn't doesn't really change too much. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting because, you know, with all these stories we have um, coming out about police brutality and all these difficult images that are spreading, I find myself being overwhelmed by it Mm. and just emotionally taxed by it. I can't imagine having to be on the ground covering it, um, being face to face uh, with uh, the people in these stories. How do you like stay grounded and stay sane when you're, you know, kind of covering such hard hitting news? Yeah, that's tough. And I, you know, I don't really have a remedy, you know, uh, I still, I, I mean, I still battle with it every day. Um, and, and it's not just, you know, something as big as Ferguson. I mean, obviously Ferguson is, it was like a, a war zone, you know, yeah. where it was like covering, I've never covered one, but I guess I could only imagine, uh, what that would be like. But, um, you know, even your day to day homicide, yes. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've covered that when I was in Kansas city, I covered a lot more homicides, but when I was there covering homicides, the worst part of my day was arriving to a scene where, you know, so-and-so had been shot two hours ago Hmm. and their mother walks up to police and police have to tell them that their son is, or, you know, or daughter is dead. Um, and to see that pain, uh, come across someone is something that you don't want to see. And it's something that definitely you don't want to see over and over again during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, part of our job is to meet people, you know, usually, you know, either on the best day of their life or the worst day of their life. Yeah. Um, un- unfortunately. And so that's always pretty tough because, you know, you have to kind of, not have um, that emotional investment because it's really not about you and your emotions. It's about, again, what's going on in the world and translating that to a larger audience. So my, you know, emotional involvement really um, is irrelevant, but it's also really hard to, you know, separate that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. As you were speaking, it, it, I thought of images of, um, you know, those commercials where they'd go to, like, an African country and there'd be children starving and mm. the reporters covering it or, you know, documentaries even. How do you how do you battle staying emotionally unattached with the desire to also help? Because what's the role of, you know, your network and your station in terms of being on the ground with some of these situations that you might be able to lend a a hand to or create community awareness around or, you know, motivate people to become active and to help? Like, what's your role? What's the balance? Do you not have a role in that space? Do you ever find yourself wanting to help outside of covering the story or reporting on it? Because at the same time, like, you can't help everybody. Like, that's just not... 
feasible. Right. Right. Well, again, you know, your role is as the press, you, again, you're, you are the fourth estate. Mm. So you are there to either give a voice to the voiceless or the people or to be able to communicate to the people what's going on. Mm. So that is in your role. That is your, your capacity. Yeah. So there is a greater good to that. You have to believe in that in order to subscribe to being a journalist. Um, so you received, just to pivot a little bit, you received an Emmy for your coverage of a student sportcaster with blindness. Congratulations. Thank and you. are currently nominated for two more, which is awesome. Um, but how do you leverage those accolades, those achievements to further your career? And how do you know when to insert those achievements and take ownership over using them and those credentials to establish your reputation versus when to maybe scale back and allow others to do it for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think definitely, you know, during a job interview, obviously, or yeah. <laughs> um, on like, in a, you know, on a resume, you know, you're able to kind of list those things and they're able to see what your work has actually been able to do. Um, but in our role and our capacity, we're supposed to be helping to kind of, you know, transform communities. So mm-hmm. you know, I've won Emmys, you know, I have colleagues that have changed laws in Washington state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's huge. You know, yeah. um, that, that's bigger than any Emmy. You've actually changed the course of, uh, the way in which a state is governed and the people are governed. Yeah. And that's, that's really big. Well, thank you so much for, you know, sharing uh, insights from your career with us today. Um, before we let you go, though, um, I thought it would be a good idea if you could tell us, like, as a person who makes the news, where do you go to get your news and stay um, up to date? Because I know me and Joy are always talking all the time, like, we want to, like, stay involved. Uh, and I think it's just important to know what's going on. So give us some tips. Like, where do you go? What's your secret? Oh, I don't have really any secret. I mean, I I love the times. Um, I think for like a quick overview, you know, you could go to USA Today. The week, I think, is a really good source of kind of giving you an overview of what's happened um, in the week of news. I think, you know, any blog um, that you want could give you a great perspective of what a certain group of people, how they're reacting mm-hmm. um, to certain uh, information. Yeah. I think the New Yorker is a really great, um, source of information. Vanity Fair actually has awesome editorials um, that, I, that that I love. Yeah, Graydon Carter is actually one of my favorite writers, one of my favorite journalists, um, and I, I think it's I think they provide an awesome critique on um, society. Of course, I read a lot of the local newspapers and stuff like that, and then I follow a lot of people on Twitter, mm-hmm. local people on Twitter, to be able to kind of understand you know, what they're, what they're doing locally. That's great. That's awesome. We asked a few listeners how they keep up with current events and how they access their news. And here's what they had to say. Hi, I'm Regina. I'm an MBA student in Chicago. So I definitely read uh, TMZ and media takeout on a daily basis. I also go to uh, New York Times bill book. And CNN for my regular news. Now, I know some of you may not be into CNN anymore, but let me give you an example of their golden gem of a he- usual headlines. Serena Williams just lost today, and of course, that's the breaking news. Their second headline is, and Twitter blames Drake. It's perfect. It's the perfect mix of high-low news that I need. Hi, um, my name is Ama Bwaje. 
I uh, currently work in the development sector at Innovations for Poverty Action as an Implementation and Policy Coordinator, uh, currently living in Accra, Ghana. And I access the news by having it emailed to me first and foremost. Um, I subscribe to blogs, I subscribe to um, websites, uh, organizations, NGOs, whatever, because I think it's great when news comes to you. Um, But then aside from that, Facebook, firstly, and then Twitter. So that's how I keep up. Hi, my name is Yad. I'm originally from Morocco. I'm currently living in Chicago, USA. Um, I am an MBA student at Chicago Booth. I consume my news mainly from online newspapers, uh, the Wall Street Journal, The Economist, uh, The Financial Times. I like this format because it enables me to stay up to date with the news and also to improve my English, my grammar, my vocabulary. Before we let you go, um, we got to get your tips for the young, the young pros, you know, pursuing careers in media, journalism, thinking about it, researching it. What would you say to the younger generation? Um, You know, I think that there are a lot of different ways to use your skills now. I think that, I mean, when I was in school, I say it like it was, you know, 30 years ago, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism and the class after me graduated with a degree in broadcast digital journalism mm, from the same program, same program, the yeah. same school. Yeah. There was a year difference. Right. Yeah. So you know, I say that to say that the industry is changing so rapidly uh, and there are so many ways to use your skills uh, that I think it's important to figure out how to tell great stories um, on many different platforms and in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think that people, if they work on the basics and focus less on, I want to be this reporter or I want to be on TV or I want to be, I want to see my byline, um, you know, in a newspaper, focus mm. less on the actual achievement of or gratification of, of seeing that and more on the actual skill set that you'll need to be able to get to a certain level. That's awesome. And I think if if you do that, I think that would be, you know, very, very, very successful. I mean, honing your skills, being able to hone my skills in in an environment like Binghamton, I think was, was fantastic because you are kind of able to see the socioeconomic landscape to understand what's important and relevant to people. And Mm-hmm. I think that anyone, anywhere they go, um, if they're able to kind of identify what's important to people, what's needed, what's relevant, how their skill set can match, and then be able to take that and grow with it, um, I think that that would be perfect for any young professional starting out. Awesome. Great, Great advice. advice. Thank you, Jenna. How can we connect with you around the web? Uh, Twitter. Jenna Hanford, K5. <laughs> yeah, so that's the way to connect with me. Awesome. And Jenna Hanford, like the Jenna Hanford page on Facebook. Follow Jenna Hanford on Instagram. We'll include all those links. Cool. Thank you, good. Jenna. This was awesome. Thank you for oh, sharing your insights you. and experience. Thank you, Jenna. And now we're going to take a few questions for Ask 
job blogs. So if you have a question about work, need life advice, or simply just need to talk through an issue, call at us. We want to hear from you. Submit your questions to ask at joblogs.com and you might hear a response from us on the show. You can also visit joblogs.com slash ask joblogs. Great. And we have a question today from Twitter from Marnie at Marnie Smith. Um, Marnie asks, what advice would you give to a recent college graduate who isn't sure exactly what he'd like to do? Lord Jesus. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. And it's one one we get quite a bit, one I get quite a bit, Mm -hmm. um, definitely. So one, I'd say... It's okay to not know what you want to do outside of college. Yeah, very few people do. And so one, don't go into it feeling bad. Don't feel like there's some sort of timeline where things are magically going to click together and you have to have it all figured out. So um, I'd preface my response with that. It's perfectly okay. It's part of the process. And then two, I'd say there are a couple of resources I would recommend. Um, So definitely right out of college, take advantage of your career services office. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they have programs for alumni, recent alumni, even years out, like 10, 20 years out, you can still stay tapped into your college um, career services office. So look into that, see what opportunities exist in that network. Um, You might also want to explore some non-traditional avenues of learning and kind of eliminating what you don't like and figuring out what you do like. Mm. You might want to do an internship paid or unpaid right outside of school. Sometimes you can that um, that summer right after you graduate. So that's one way you might want to shadow people. I'd say definitely ask for informational interviews with people across very diverse, different types of industries. Mm -hmm. Ask about their day to day. Ask about, you know, ask those questions that um, the young lady asked me (laughs) from Mm -hmm. the from the rave earlier. But, you know, ask about the day to day. Get to the core of like what they do, what their trajectory was. What did you study in school? How did you leverage what you studied in school to get this job? And that'll start giving you tactical ideas around how you can target different industries and roles. Yeah. And one thing I noticed talking to people from all different types of industries is like no one's path is what they thought it would be yes like few people like took like the straight path to where they ended up so every position you take like learn from it i mean knowing what you don't want to do is just as important as knowing what you do absolutely great thank you for the question marnie thanks marnie Right, and now it's time for my favorite segment, Hired and Fired. Hired and Fired. And or fired. <laughs> so today I have a hire. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep adding on to the team today. Great. My hired is a legend, Miss Grace Jones. Miss Grace Jones. Grace Jones. We just saw our Afropunk. We did. Why is she hired? <laughs> Great. First of all, I got to do a quick intro for the children. Uh, Grace Jones, I'd say she's a performance artist. She does a little bit of everything. Uh, if you haven't listened to Island Life, go listen to it. If you haven't seen Boomerang, go see it. Um, but anyway, so uh, recently, Grace Jones, um, she's coming out with a memoir. Please pre-order it. I have um, on Amazon titled, I'll Never Write My Memoirs. 
and Time Out published an excerpt of it. Um, and of course they did the juiciest part of the memoirs, which she's calling out like the Lady Gaga's, the mm-hmm. Beyonce's, the Madonna's, the Rihanna's. And in it, somebody told Grace Jones to be more like these people. I don't did know what fool did that, <laughs> but in response to it, um, she said, I cannot be like them except to the extent that they are already being like me. Who? Who? shade aside the part that I really really loved um, is this expert where she's offering advice to a pop star she calls Doris Mm. she doesn't give away the name I read about this yeah and um, the greatest part for me was this um, part where she says they forget that once you get into that whirlpool then you have to fight the system that solidifies around you in order to keep being the outsider you claim to represent Mm. there will always be a replacement coming along very soon a newer version a crazier version a louder version so if you haven't got a long-term plan then you are merely a passing phase the latest trend Mm. yesterday's event if that ain't a word (laughs) i don't know what is doesn't matter what you're doing i think so many of us get caught up in like how we present ourselves now how we measure up to our peers now yes when the key really is like the long-term goal Mm -hmm. like if you're caught up in being known in 30 years you're just gonna be known as the person who was known yeah yeah that's so true yes that's so true having that long-term focus sharing that wisdom grace jones you are hired as my advisor and shade samurai love love it paperwork coming your way Grace. (laughs) (laughs) well another great episode thank you guys so much for tuning in again it is time to clock out sad as time but we are looking forward to getting in touch with you more regularly hearing from you guys and you guys hearing from us every monday now so thank you thank you thank you so much for tuning in yes you can find us and get in touch with us at joblogs.com or around the world <laughs> around the world and the web <laughs> around the world wide web <laughs> At job logs. Um, Courtney, tell the people your your handle. Yeah, um, you can find me at Cleve Out Loud. That's C-L-E-V-E Out Loud on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snap. And I am Hamus Parker, M-I-S-S-P-A-R-K-E-R-R on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to rate us on the iTunes store, preferably with five stars. Leave us a review. Reviews help us get rated and get the show recognition. So special thanks for this episode to Ama, Regina, Zayed for contributing your insights and responses. Also, thank you to Adrian, our audio engineer and producer extraordinaire. And thank you to Jimmy and the whole Visionary Media Studios team. Until next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.